0: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive.
2: Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Zev Pace. He is COO of Abram Pace & Associates. We're going to talk to him about the world of hemp. We talk a lot about this program on the, the marijuana side, on the rec and the medical side. But I think, in fact, hemp is actually, in some respects, the much bigger aspect of the industry, the, the market of cannabis. And it's a it's a fairly multifaceted one. Obviously, people are doing extractions from hemp, but there's also industrial hemp and um, a lot of different ways that sort of the quote-unquote cannabis plant, the kind of the broad view of cannabis plant can impact things and, and hap is a, is a very big part of it. So I'm excited for this. i kind of talking about not only where we are, but probably more just where we're going. What are the future possibilities? So with that, Zev, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So why don't we learn a little bit more about you first? Tell us a little, little bit about your professional background. How did you get into cannabis? Tell us the story. Sure, happy to. So, I
1: have about 35, 40 years' experience as a sustainability educator and consultant. So, hemp is something that I had heard about off and on over the years, but it wasn't until 2012 when Colorado passed Amendment 64 allowing farmers to begin growing hemp, that I basically was able to say, hey, this looks like a really good opportunity. And and my wife and I have run a sustainable marketing and PR firm for about 22 years. And we said, hey, let's become the, the marketing Agency for the hemp industry, and uh, thought it was a good idea because we knew it would be huge. As you mentioned, much larger than just the marijuana side of the cannabis industry. It's got so many different opportunities. So we looked around really quickly and, and discovered that there was no hemp industry. There was there was really no organizations. There was very little education, very little connection. So I tend to jump into places where there's an opportunity, where there's an opening. So I created. The Rocky Mountain Hemp Association, and then about a year later, that got converted in late 2013, got converted into the National Hemp. Association with me as the executive director, and I ran that organization and turned it into the largest, uh, you know, hemp industrial organization in the country through that time. So by 2016, when the focus was shifting to federal legislation and decided to move the board, wanted to move the focus to the East Coast, I stepped away, and its National Hemp Association is still going strong. And again, their focus is much more on the legislation side, as it as it should be mm-hmm. out of Washington D.C. So. So then I stepped into another opportunity where I knew farmers were going to, were willing to grow this crop, but they had no idea who would buy it. So yeah. I helped set up the Raw Marketplace, which is a hemp-only focused platform for buyers and sellers of all hemp products to connect and grew that over the last three years into the largest online platform for hemp-only products. And then just stepped away from that very, very recently, kind of the middle of September, and I'm now working with a, a company that is focused on professionalizing the verification process, starting with seeds. So I've historically always been focused on where's the kind of the, the roadblock or the, the the bottleneck in the industry and try to provide opportunities to help break that open and, and help the industry grow.
2: Yeah. And so just kind of categorize this for a little bit for us, because it can get a little tricky. I mean, I know hemp, you know, sort of legally, you know, is really just a definition of a, a THC content inside the cannabis plant, declares it as hemp. It's somewhat of a, a random number <laughs> that they chose to, to declare that. But when you talk about hemp, I guess, how do you define it or what is the category that you're focused on in the kind of the broader world of cannabis?
1: Well, as you describe, really anything that is 0.3% Delta 9 THC or less falls into the hemp category. But that does include a variety of different kinds of cultivars, you know, some focus on fire and seeds, some focused on oil, some focused on other kinds of subsets of the material. So it really is, in cases, a huge number of potential products, but it's all the cannabis plant under 0.3% THC. And that's been a little bit tweaked most lately with the USDA rules coming out saying that it it has to be total THC, which we're still kind of figuring out the best way to handle that, but it's still all tagged to THC.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so as you look at this world of, of hemp, what, what are the buckets for you? I mean, you mentioned a couple of different you know seeds, fiber. Uh, I mean when, when people are looking at you know, producing hemp products, what are the different kind of sort of product categories that you end up kind of focusing on or, or that hemp ends up touching? I think the simplest way to look at it
1: is the parts of the plant because there's just a huge number of products that come from that. So when you're talking about the flower, you're talking about all of the extracted products and that's you know, there's 105 different yeah. kinds of cannabinoids and a couple hundred terpenes. There's like 500 different compounds. And eventually, I think we're going to start seeing a whole plethora of products that, you know, mix and combine and isolate all those different things. So that's all from the flour. From the seeds, you're talking about essentially food, different variety of food products, be it the seeds themselves or oils or protein, you know, powders from the, from the leftover. So the whole food realm. And that's certainly becoming more and more well-known. And then the third is the stalk. And that's the least the least well. We haven't really done very much with the stock. But you've got right. again two different subsets there. You've got the fiber on the outside of the stock and the woody core on the inside. And there's lots of research going on on that. Everything from bioplastics to to. You know, different kinds of building materials to, to non-wovens to textiles, you know, just so many different possibilities. And what people have to understand is that it's not like you can do all of it. You really need to focus in on what is it that you are most interested in, most skilled, uh, feel most comfortable in.
2: Yeah. And I'm curious how you see hemp as kind of a crop different from pulp, you know, wood pulp or, you know, bamboo or, you know, these other things that we've grown and used for more of the sort of in, in the industrial side of things how is it different from a um, you know from a crop point of view
1: yeah well I mean a lot of people when they think about about hemp they talk about you know the amazing things that were done a couple of hundred years ago like they yeah. talk about the the draft of the Constitution being printed on hemp paper and, yeah. and you know that's true but the reality was is basically all paper was hemp back then yeah. most of the of the clothing that we had was all made out of hemp or some blank and everything having to do with navigation for ropes and sails and rigging and things like that. You know, all of that was just, it's how the United States got to be a superpower back then in terms of economically. So, But the problem was, is when we stopped all of that back in the mid-30s, so we've had like 80 years of that whole infrastructure just going away, going to other countries or just being ignored. So what we're having to do now is to begin to rebuild that infrastructure so that we can get back to the kind of things we were doing 150 years ago
2: yeah and i mean i guess where are we in understanding some of these things i mean i uh, you know we passed the farm bill you know i know we've developed you know somewhat of an industry now on people growing hemp producing hemp what is the primary focus at this point where do you see how mature are we in developing this hemp as a as a, a crop and as an industry
1: well, the, the the most mature segment is, of course, the extraction industry. CBD being the one compound that people are beginning to uh, that a lot of people are beginning to know something about. But there's a whole lot of other minor cannabinoids that are right behind it that we're starting to see more. And the extraction side, it's something that has been happening for you know 150 years. Think perfume. It's not new. What is new is being able to to grow the plant, harvest it correctly, and then get it to process processors and there are processors. Certainly there's going to be a lot more processors. There's going to be larger processors and there's going to be ones that start to be more specific about what it is, what their end products are. So that part of the industry certainly is the most well developed. Um, the food side has been, it's like Canada, we get like, like 90% of all Canadian hemp products are purchased in the United States and most of that is hemp hemp seeds, you can go to Costco and you know your major markets where you can get those kind of things hemp oil, so that's mm-hmm. pretty well developed but it's not as developed in the United States, so that's probably the next one that's really going to become much more popular just because it's so much easier to create those products then you kind of go down the line where you start to do things with the stock where it's just going to take a while the simpler products, I mean one of the challenges is like the interior of the hemp stock, the hemp herd. Mm -hmm. But in order for that to become Mm -hmm. a really big, a big part of the industry, we need to be able to grow a lot of that Material we need to be able to isolate it from the fiber, which is still a challenge. It is happening more and more, but it's a challenge. And then we have to get the, the economics down to the point where it can replace like wood chips for animal bedding and make that something that people are willing to purchase at equal or less cost than what's out there already. Well, and how I,
2: I know a lot of people, or at least you know, two years ago when things were kind of getting interesting with them, with the farm bill passing and stuff, we're kind of approaching this as being you know they're going to set up their facility and, you know, build up a business in a hemp space to then be ready to convert to the marijuana industry once states open up and, you know, at some point we get a federal legislation that allows for interstate commerce and stuff. I mean, is this, are, are people still kind of thinking about hemp in this strategic term or do you think this is not, that's not a viable play at this point? Well,
1: you know, obviously we don't know how quickly marijuana is going to become <laughs> yeah. federally legal. Yeah. Um, so I think people are, have that a little bit more on the back burner because we have our hands full just figuring out how to make this part of the cannabis industry scale up and yeah. that's the challenge and it goes all the way back to the beginning we have very few stabilized cultivars so the challenge you know for a manufacturer they want product that's consistent the price is well known the volume and the, and the supply is, is reliable and not too much of that is really in place even yet after seven eight years of, of development so it's still Really, I tell people whenever I talk with them as a consultant, you have to think of this still that we are in the research and development phase still, and until we really have something stabilized, it's going to continue to be like that.
2: And and I guess what what are the things that we still have to figure out? I mean, what are the hurdles or the, the the systems that are still underdeveloped or yet to be developed in the industry?
1: Well, it depends which sector you're talking about. I mean, even just in the in the extraction area, you know, we need to have cultivars, you know, varieties that are very consistent so that When a farmer takes it to the extractor, everybody knows what they're going to get out of it. And the extractor can then tell their buyers, you know, this is what I'm going to have batch after batch, month after month, year after year. And then the final piece is actually being able to build up the the final buyer side, kind of the, the, the retail portion of this. And until we get the FDA to give us some really clear guidelines, really almost no matter what they are, as long as they can give us some real consistent guidelines about what you know, what the daily dosage is, what needs to say on the label, what kind of tracking and traceability is required. The larger companies aren't gonna jump in. You know, their legal teams are just not gonna let them do that. And I think what happened this past year is farmers continue to, to grow more and more and more hemp. And this past year we finally hit up against the the amount of product that could actually be sold. So even though in the past few years we've been doubling, tripling, quadrupling the amount of hemp, this past year in 2019 we finally hit up against how much was actually being bought for finished products, and and when the FDA does that, that's going to be a whole new jump where you've got companies, you know, like Coca Cola that says, okay, we now want this on a regular basis, so the market will now take another significant jump.
2: Interesting. So we we kind of um, hit the ceiling of the demand under the current regulatory sort of framework that we're operating within, it sounds like, is what you're, is your kind of conclusion. Yeah, that's exactly, that's
1: exactly what I'm saying. We finally, yeah. you know, took us seven years but we finally hit up against the the volume
2: that we could sell on a consistent basis. Yeah. And, I mean, guess what's your sense on uh, the FDA? I mean, we're still kind of waiting for this to play out. What, you know, what what's the latest that you've heard or, you know, based on your kind of knowledge and, and information, how do you think the FDA is going to treat this and how do you think it's going to play out?
1: Well, the I mean, the FDA has already already stated that the the proverbial cat is out of the out of the bag so people are using this they are they're they're liking it they're purchasing it at, at pretty large volumes so they know that at some point there's going to be a legal path a fully legal path for all these products there's a bill in the, the congress right now that classifies uh, cbd as a dietary supplement so you know that will help as well and i'm hoping that this year uh, well that this coming year a lot of that's going to get sorted out obviously the election took everybody's attention for mm-hmm. for a while and it's going to take a little bit to sort things out but you know, it certainly could be the first half of next year where some of these things are put into official legislation and then we can start to move forward.
2: Yeah. And, you know, in terms of the sort of infrastructure of the industry... Tell us a little bit about what sort of has been done, what needs to be done to really create, you know, kind of a, a larger, more sustainable hemp industry, you know, for the United States, and I, I guess we could talk a little bit about global market as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, as I mentioned earlier, the infrastructure for the extraction portion of it is is pretty much it's in place. At least the beginnings of it are in place, and that. Supply chain from essentially from seed to shelf does exist because it is feeling somewhat saturated um, until the market takes the next jump up. We're starting to see more and more research go into the other the other parts of the product. So that would be everything from non-wovens for the for the stock, or actually grinding up the stock completely and making paper products. You know, pulp-related, beginning to be a replacement potentially for some other kinds of wood-based paper products. There's definitely work being done on the on the construction material side where we're taking both raw material as well as post-extracted material and turning them and testing them to be turned into products, you know, regular building products, be it fiberboard or, you know, part type of a particle type board or non-wovens that would go into sound absorbing material. It's already being put into car parts in some parts of the world. Mm. So there's just a lot to be done. And each one of these segments has its own supply chain. So, you know, a lot of it is still in the, the research stage. And I expect that we're just going to see things come out. Like there's a company in the, on the East Coast, uh, or maybe it's Kentucky that is now selling something called Hemp Wood. It's the first mm. company that's doing that. And they're taking the full stocks and pressing them somewhat like a bamboo flooring where, and it makes a beautiful wood. And I believe they're beginning to be able to scale that. But that's the first one. So we can expect to see a lot more of that happen in the next handful of years.
2: Yeah, they were actually on the podcast a while ago. It was, it was interesting to kind of hear sort of a pure industrial approach uh, use of hemp, which is fascinating. I was originally trained as an architect. So I think that they just kind of piqued my interest on in the whole side of things, you know, no, nothing to do with the the actual uh, molecular extractions we do, but purely based on fiber. Um, and talk to us about the international market at this point. I mean, are we seeing an international market develop? Is it there? How do you see that playing out?
1: Well, I often describe the United States as the last kid of the party in <laughs> terms of using this product within their economies. So there's like, you know, 30, 32 industrialized countries that that have been making things with hemp for decades, you know, upwards of five, six, seven, eight decades. So in some ways, it's not new, but they've been doing it very, very specifically. A lot of it has been used as animal fodder. Some of it's been used as fuel just to cook with and then obviously places like China and India have been uh, growing the textile variety or the fiber variety of hemp for quite some time and that's how they've become the the leader in that segment so i suspect that's going to keep going you know one of the big changes is that uh, cbd production in china has just recently been made legal in a couple of provinces so you know they're going to put their industrial powerhouse Abilities behind that. So we're going to start seeing more cannabinoid products that come out of China and other parts of Asia. And that'll certainly have an effect on the economies around the world. Uh, The EU just had a change, a a massive change of upping the THC from 0.2 to 0.3. Thank Mm -hmm. you very much. Um, and so, you know, again, it's it's moving in the right direction, but ultimately, we need to see THC level probably closer to one percent, so that farmers have the ability to create and produce and sell
2: without the the overhanging legal repercussions if it if it god forbid goes hot. above 0.3. Yeah, yeah. And why and that's I mean I guess and and why is that going to 1% a game changer for the farmers? I mean tell us a little bit about what what happens on the on the agricultural side.
1: Well, you know, hemp is one of the very few crops out there that I know of where the farmer isn't encouraged to to maximize the production of its you know the highest amount of cannabinoids ideally THC in your product mm-hmm. where here, it's the opposite. You know, you want it to grow well, to grow big, but you don't want it to do so well that it goes over that 0.3. And yeah. it's really tricky to keep it below 0.3, especially with the incoming laws starting well, on guess it'll be September of 2021, where mm-hmm. it's total THC. So by going up to 1%, a lot of the, the farmers who are growing crops right now that end up being 0.3, 0.4, 0.5% won't have to worry about any kind of criminal activity if they go up to that much closer to 1%. It's still not going to get people high. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned before that that kind of arbitrary 0.3, I think people need to understand that that 0.3% has been around for a long time way before high CBD uh, hemp was developed. And it was basically saying if you're growing a fiber crop, it should never be above 0.3% THC and that usually was never a problem because it just that isn't what the plant was designed to do. It was designed mm-hmm. to create lots and lots of seeds and grow really tall and have lots of fiber so we were applying a standard that was adopted in the UK, um, in the in the EU, and also in Canada that we just got applied here because it was being used internationally.
2: Yeah, yeah, and going up to a percent gives just gives a lot more sort of room for people to be able to use some of the cultivars that are, are naturally used in the space that can get a little hot, can get up to point four, point five, you know, but maximize production while not being in a, at that risk of of running afoul with the law. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm curious What are some of the more interesting applications, companies you've seen out there. I mean, any anything that has really kind of been you know notable in terms of what people are doing in the industry, either with processing or production or the final products that people are looking at applying hemp? Mm-hmm.
1: A number, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of my, my role over the last eight years has been as a consultant. Yeah. So I end up talking with a lot of companies who are trying to figure out how to get into the space or, or are doing something unique. So the whole area of decortication, where you separate out the fiber from the herd in the stock is something that a lot of companies are working with. So there's some really interesting techniques out there, some that are mechanical based, some that are liquid based, that are trying to to figure out a way to do this process at scale, which is really, I mean, pretty much Anybody can do something really interesting uh, on their stovetop, but to be able mm-hmm. to, to deal with thousand pound bales per hour is yeah. certainly a whole nother story. So decortication is a whole nother area that the technology world, and that's everything from super sensitive testing, which I think is beginning to come out. There's a couple of companies that have testing that can be done in field that can be really accurate for farmers to help them understand if they're getting close to whatever the limit happens to be. Other technology around extraction, there's some really interesting kind of high-tech extraction technologies that are being worked on. Again, the challenge is making it work consistently and making it work at scale. And then you've got some very interesting products that are being developed and it goes everywhere from Uh, grinding up the stalk or the herd very, very finely and being able to use it in a biocomposite into some kind of a making plastic, you know, hemp-based biodegradable compostable plastics, that's definitely on the verge of happening, as well as paper being able to to put the hemp stock, ground up hemp stock into a bioreactor and coming out with a variety of products, sometimes just one product, but it'll, be, it'll start to replace some of the other uses for wood. I think that's definitely a really big one. And then the other that's even further down is the whole concept of taking the carbon, breaking down the carbon in the plant, in the stock primarily, and um, isolating it and making things like graphene so you can do really high capacity batteries and super capacitors and other kinds of electronic materials that can be made—at least the thought is—it can be made much less expensive compared to the other other forms that are like Instead of using graphite, you can make graphene out of hemp. But it's still, again, it's uh, pretty much
2: pretty much at the stage at the uh, the research stage at this point. I mean, you mentioned that hemp has the potential of you know replacing a couple of other crops or, or products I guess what is most at risk and how does that sort of affect the dynamics you know regulatory things like that I mean are there is there pressure or uh, are other industries worried <laughs> I guess about this and are they doing things to kind of slow the the onset of hemp well that's a really good question I mean back in
1: 1937 when the marijuana tax law was put into place a lot of the motivation for that was competition with other industries and that would be everything from the paper industry to the lumber industry to the oil industry. And that that was part of the, the motivation to get to slow down that whole industry. The pharmaceutical industry was actually very supportive back then, but they didn't. They realized that they should just wait and, and let it unfold. So they're coming back into it now. I think right now the industries that are most nervous not that they're trying to slow it down, but I think they're trying to figure out how do they take advantage of it would certainly include the, the wood and paper industry, the cotton industry, you know other textiles that are that would be that would be comparable or that would be competitive. and certainly the oil industry where so many of the products that are currently made from oil, could be made from hemp and are beginning to be made from hemp so it's really the same industries that have always been a concern that have been concerned about this are definitely keeping a close eye on it and again I'm assuming that instead of trying to stop it they're gonna to try to get involved with it
2: yeah and if if things go well and things play out the way you hope they play out where, where are we in five to ten years in terms of a hemp industry what does it look like
1: well I I really enjoy thinking about the future and thinking about how it could be. And, and ultimately, it could be the kind of thing where, where you look around your world and a large percentage of what you see is actually sourced from hemp or some hemp blend. So everything from the clothing on your body to the, to the building materials in your house to the foods that you eat uh, you know, to some of the healthcare products that you use, the body care products that you use. I think all of those kind of things could eventually become pretty well saturated with hemp as part, as
2: one of the main ingredients in them. Yeah. Any um, other predictions, any things that you think are going to, I mean, I guess for for next year, 2021, things that you think are really going to move the needle for hemp?
1: Well, I mean, I do believe that if the new administration really does take a, a strong stance on climate change that we're going to start to see more and more pressure on just using alternatives. So instead of growing, you know, cutting down trees that take 20, 30, 40 years to grow, we're cutting down fields of hemp to make a variety of products, including just burning it. I mean I, I talked to some people in um, in the state of Hawaii a couple of years ago and and one of the islands, you know, grows some kind of a quick tree, maybe like a poplar tree that grows pretty fast. And uh-huh. after five years they cut them down, they grind them up and they burn them and make electricity. So imagine oh, if you can do the replace you know, a 90 or 120 day crop that grows more, more biomass at a similar BTU that you could use to make electricity. So we're going to start seeing more and more of these products being added into other supply chains, just because they, they realize that the opportunity, it makes sense. The economics makes sense. The, the product ability. I mean, if we, people say, can you make Biogas, Can you make fuel, you know, biodiesel out of Mm -hmm. hemp? And yes, you can make it, but we need to be growing a million acres of it in order for the economics to work.
2: (laughs) Except we don't have enough, yeah.
1: So as we continue to scale this industry, we're going to start seeing more and more products that just make
2: economic sense. Ah, that's great. So this been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about what you do and who you work with, what's the best way to get that information? I'll go
1: to our website. It's abrahampace.com. That's P-A-I-S-S dot com. uh, Or you can email me, just Zev, Z-E-V, at com, And I'm happy to talk to people about just about anything.
2: Great. I will make sure that the links are in the show notes so people can click through, get that information. Zev, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you,
1: Bruce. And thank you for your questions. They definitely were excellent. And I think we're hopefully this is information that's going to be really useful to a lot of people.
0: You've been listening to Thinking
1: Outside the Bud